Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Another win, a long season still ahead of us. Honestly, it feels that way, but welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast, guys, the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided. I'm Michael Taras, as always, to me, I'm with me, I'm drinking Dr. Pepper Cream Soda, top two soda in America, in my opinion, uh, behind Sprite, of course, but man, this has been the come up. Uh, shout out Dr. Pepper Cream Soda. I just embarrassed y'all for like millions of dollars right there, so I want my paycheck, but join by me is a good friend of mine. I haven't sat down and done a show with him in a while. You guys know him, of course, the great stuff that they're doing over there at Bring the Juice with Derek uh, Larger. Cody Felger. Man, it's been it's been a while since we sat down and talked, man. How you doing? Hey, yeah, man, it has been a long time. Like, I'm trying to – I'm struggling to remember when the last time we've done one. I don't know if we've done them this season, so – yeah, man, I'm doing well, though. I'm doing well. Uh, it's funny talking off air, man. Colts with the bye week now, I think we need it just about as much as the players and coaches need it with how stressful this season has been now through 13 games. It's been a long 13-game stretch. But, yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, really encouraged by the win on Sunday, and uh, it's going to be a big one, man, in a couple weeks. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. That indeed. And what what an interesting football game it was last night on Monday Night Football between yes. New England and Buffalo. I mean, it was it was interesting, funny, boring and had you on the edge of your seat at the same time. It's it's weird to say that, but Buffalo is in a decline. Uh, they've got the Buccaneers this week. We'll get into that later on in the show. But to talk about our Colts, man. 31 to zero. Uh, that's how it should have been. Hopefully, hopefully, praise God. Uh, no, no crazy drama, nothing crazy like that. Of course, you got everybody in Colts Nation that thinks they know better than Frank Reich, but I definitely loved what we saw. The Colts spank the Houston Texans 31 to zero on Sunday in Houston. It was one hell of a win, guys. Y'all know how it goes. We're going to get into the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, and it's very interesting. Can you go to is there bad, is there ugly in a 31 to zero win? So we'll find out. Y'all, y'all know me. Y'all know me with this defense. I'm a you know, look, go back and watch the game. I'm a you know nitpick all this, not really nitpick, but hey, let's get into it. So the first thing I want to talk about, Cody, Michael Pittman. 
a good bounce back game. Uh, I believe his final stats, I think, were six catches for 78 yards off the top of my head. A, a solid game, solid game. You clearly saw they wanted to get him back going in motion, and the hands, his blocking was definitely improved this week. But I definitely liked what I saw from Michael Pittman. For those that don't, you know, watch you, that don't happen to watch you or uh, follow you guys for some odd reason, if y'all don't, go follow them, by the way. But since the beginning of the season to now, how has Michael Pittman begun to grow on you as a player and a star coming up in the league? Yeah, man, I know it's funny. I know you and Dustin have that thing where, you know, he he wanted the Colts to go out and get a number one wide receiver, he said. And you're like, man, they got Pittman. I remember seeing that. Uh, so I don't want to don't want to bring up things and maybe uh, whatever, you know, that's between you you all there. But right. yeah, as far <laughs> as it goes for Michael Pittman, uh, I've loved what I've seen from him, man. You know, he's really only a little over 100 yards away from a thousand yard season, which is crazy. The first time they've done that since. I want to say 2018, I think it was, with T.Y. Um, but, yeah, the first non-T.Y. 1,000-yard receiver in a decade plus. So, yeah, I, I love what I've seen from Michael Pittman. You know, I thought he did have a nice bounce-back game. He really struggled early in that Tampa Bay game with the drops, you know, uncharacteristic, like, drops for Pittman. So, you know, he had one drop there that you're kind of like, oh, come on, man, you know, you got to get that. But overall, I, I thought he he had a really solid performance. And, and you mentioned it, how good he is in the run blocking department. I mean, I think that's a big reason why even guys like Zach Pascal are still out there, maybe not even, you know, producing as much, but Pittman definitely is the guy that sets the tone in that wide receiver room. And to me, he's clearly elevated himself now to the number one wide receiver position with this team moving forward. I mean, honestly, he has, um, he'd been a little quiet the last couple of weeks, but good to see them getting him back involved again against a Houston defense that honestly was, was not terrible actually in terms of stopping the pass. Like I know they're terrible overall statistically, but they were actually, I think 15th overall in, in passing yards allowed. So to, for Pittman to do what he did, I was really encouraged with what he's done this season. And I'm encouraged moving forward. Now that the Colts kind of have that figured out. And it seems like him and Carson Wentz have a really good connection. Yeah. I think that's something that we could have, you know, maybe guessed on because you saw, they were working down, you know, down in Houston. The whole guys, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers got together, went down to Houston. I don't know which one of them has a background in Houston. I think it was Carson that has a background in Houston. Uh, but Michael Pittman, California dude, T.Y. Hilton, East Coast guy, Naheem Hines, East Coast guy, uh, Mo Ali Cox, where the hell did he come from? He went to VCU. Uh, you know, I don't know who has a base out there in Houston, but we saw all the – all I guess you could say the rumors, the reports, the pictures, the videos, all that on the Instagram stories that they're working together. And I have been pleased, of course, with Michael Pittman. This is going to be a big stretch for him to step up, of course. But uh, getting into another player, Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be weekly. Uh, mm -hmm. 32 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns, I believe. Average 4.5 yards a carry. This is something that, you know... Colts fans really struggle to just find your common ground in. They, they really do. One week, it's drive drive Jonathan Taylor. Drive Jonathan Taylor. Give your best player the football. And then another week, it's can y'all not pass the ball? Can y'all not pass the ball? Like, that's what you saw in the Houston Texans because clearly Houston is going to sell out for the run. That's what they're going to do. Their front is made to defend the run with that 3-4 defense. So, 
that's what Frank Reich did. He stuck with the run one yard, one yard, no gain, no gain, three yard run, five yard run, one yard. And Colts fans are mad again because we're giving the ball to our best player. But in the second half is when they turned it on. The offensive line started getting a great push. Jonathan Taylor, of course, with his vision, his jump cuts, he has probably the best jump cut in the league, in my opinion. I mean, maybe he has the best jump cut, I think, since maybe Le'Veon Bell in 2017 or Zeke in 2016. I hmm. think since those two guys, that is an elite jump, elite jump cut. His speed, his burst through the hole is just i've said it all year it's top two in in the league i know people want to say christian Derek. no Derek goes into a burst when there's nothing but field in front of him jonathan taylor bursts through the hole the minute he gets the second he gets into it so what, what was your what, what was your reaction to the domination of course that the colts were able to put on houston with jonathan taylor sticking to the run game you know not going away from it staying consistent with it and really just riding your best player in a yeah i guess you could say easy week yeah and the funny thing is like those yards didn't come as easy as they normally did you know like normally taylor's out there getting five six yards per carry for a little bit you mentioned it they were actually like doing a pretty good job on taylor but you felt like you could come back to that in the second half because let's be honest he's the best player in football right now i think i can argue that I mean, you give your best player the ball, you know, and I think that's why some Colts fans were upset. I know there's been so much debate in that Tampa Bay game. I don't want to go rehash that if I don't have to, but I think that's why some people were upset that he didn't get more carries in that third quarter, you know, because you're like, I know like it didn't work at first, but like he is your best player. You give your best player the ball at all opportunities. So I think for me, yeah, um, I wasn't surprised at all that they gave him a lot of carries. Houston came in with, I think the second worst run defense. So I mean, it, it was like the game plan. It had to be the game plan in this game is just give him the ball. And I liked what the Colts were able to do just in the run game in terms of misdirection and stuff, you know, not being as predictable. They were a little bit more predictable, I feel like, early on, and then they got a little bit more creative as it went on. I liked that pitch they had to Taylor, kind of get him in open space, let him do his thing. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, I loved the game plan. And honestly, if he wouldn't have fumbled that ball, he probably would have had a career high in carries in that game. It's funny. You're like, Oh man, I wanted to see him break that. And then he fumbled it. And I was like, dang it. Come on, man. Uh, but yeah, man, Jonathan Taylor continues to just be electric for the Colts. I mean, nobody would have seen that. We, we thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be a good player, but how good he's been as he, for me, at least it's been better than what I thought he was going to be. And that's saying something because he's a 2000 yard back every year at Wisconsin. So, I mean, I mean, this dude is absolutely crazy good right now. I mean, it's it's amazing to see his ascension here in year number two. We were all like, man, could he be a top five running back? Nobody, I don't think we were going to say, I don't know about you, but I, I was hesitant to say top running back. I was because you have some good guys there at running back. But Taylor, to me, has cemented himself right now as the best running back in football. Consistently, week in and week out, he's over 100 yards. So, I mean, this dude is on a different level right now, man. He he is just insane. And that helps your offense out completely. I mean, how many games has Carson really not had to do a whole lot because Jonathan Taylor's just dominated the game. And it's made it so life so much easier on this Colts team and on this Colts offense. So 
I liked what I saw from this unit. Struggled a little bit early on running the football, but I thought, you know, they, they just eventually wore him down. And you, you always think with Jonathan Taylor, it's only a matter of time till he breaks one. And he didn't have like the big 50 yard run, but he was consistently in that second half giving, getting seven, eight yards of carry. So I personally loved what Jonathan Taylor did on Sunday. I know PFF, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. They had him as a low rating, and I don't really understand that because, I mean, I don't think it was his fault necessarily in the first half. But, yeah, man, uh, what I, I feel like I've said it enough already, but I just love what Jonathan Taylor's done this year, man. Yeah, I, I don't get too big in, into PFF. I, I really okay. disagree with their grading metrics, a lot of what could have been, what should have been, a, a lot of that going on. When it comes to corners, quarterbacks, wide receivers, but when it comes to their linemen – their running backs, all that stuff. I, those are a little bit more accurate in my opinion, but when it comes to the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, corners, uh, defensive ends, are actually those top four right there. I really disagree with a lot of their grading, uh, grading systems on, on those four positions. But like you said, with Carson Wentz not having to do much, that's not going to be the norm when we get into these big games against new England and Arizona, Las Vegas, it's still a big game and hell, Going on the road to Jacksonville where we have struggled, that is going to be a big game and maybe, maybe the playoffs. So, yeah, I agree. Let's get the ball in the hands of our best player, but let's not run him into the ground and make sure this quarterback that we traded for wins us some games as well. That is what we also have to do. Now, I agree with you guys. Get him the ball, but... I mean, we got to understand there's a game plan Frank Reichs puts puts together. We don't know what that is. We just think in our minds what it should be. So uh, Naheem Hines not really being used much is I'm curious about that, actually, because this year, I mean, he just got paid and you're not using them. You're not. And I think a big a big reason for why that is, is probably because last year, you had a guy in Phillip Rivers who you knew was going to utilize the running backs probably more than any other quarterback in the league. So his catches were up. I think his catches were top 10 for running backs last year. His carries went up. So now when you have Carson, who's not big into just dumping it down to the running back, unless it's by design, he's going to air it out to the tight ends, to the wide receivers, so maybe if somebody has any questions about where is Naheem Hines, why is he not performing, is he getting overpaid, that's not the thing. He is still that talented guy. It's just yeah. maybe we need to get him involved, scheme up a couple plays specifically for him, possibly. That's just my take on it. But getting staying in the good here, guys, Kenny Moore just announced as the 2021 Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Indianapolis Colts. One interception two pass deflections, and one forced fumble. This guy, I mean, if you talk about, if you want to talk about consistent, this guy is it. And he doesn't get enough credit for it. A lot of people think, oh, he's playing inside. He's not playing the better receivers outside. In my opinion, that matters. But dang, we can't give some credit where it needs to be given. He is consistently a top three, top two nickel corner in the league. We're seeing a lot of nickel corners in the league nowadays with this past happy stuff we see in a lot of teams. So, I mean, his tackling is always top notch. He just has a true understanding 
of what goes on. And quite frankly, I, I mean, he's, what? I mean, dare I say he's our best player on defense? Maybe. But, of course, I still got to give that to DeForest Buckner. So, Cody, Kenny Moore, man, talk to me about him. Man, and like, I think that Matt Eberflus calls him lightning in a bottle. I think that's a perfect description to describe Kenny Moore. I mean, the dude could do everything. Like you mentioned, he can tackle, he can cover, he can force turnovers, he can get sacks. I mean, what can this man not do right now? It's crazy, man, like how well Kenny Moore has played with this Colts team. Like a guy that was undrafted right out of Aldosa State years ago was actually on the Patriots. If you remember this, like – 2017, the Colts were in, they were terrible, right? The Colts were terrible. They they were, I think they won four games that year and they had some injuries at corner that year and they brought in Kenny Moore and he, he just really didn't relinquish that starting spot since then, man. And he is just everything you're looking for in a corner, everything you're looking for in a player and just, you know, on and off the field. I mean, talk about setting the tone in this game. I mean, the first play from scrimmage, Kenny Moore gets an interception, the second drive, Kenny Moore forces a fumble. Like, that man is a tone setter for this team, for this defense. He's a leader out there, man. I want to see him get the big C, the captain badge on there, because I think he deserves it. He's one of those guys that, you know, you just love. You wish you could have m- more Kenny Moores on your roster, right? You wish you could have 32 Kenny Moores on your roster for offense and defense. So, I I love, man, Kenny Moore. I love what he's done. Um, I love just – how he plays the game and how he approaches the game and, and just the personality that he provides that, that energy that he gives this defense. Um, I absolutely love it, man. Kenny Moore is a guy that I'm just uh, a big fan of ever been, been a big fan of him. Cause the crazy thing is, man, he's what five, nine, but he doesn't play like it. He he's short, but he has long arms and he uses that to his advantage. I've never thought Kenny Moore's a short guy. You know, it's weird. Like I never really have thought that because he's played like a lot bigger of a corner. And you mentioned in the slot, like he just does everything so well. And he can also play outside for you. So, I mean, give credit where it's due, man. Kenny Moore has been, I think, honestly, one of Ballard's best finds, if not his best find, um, just strictly from an undrafted free agent guy. So, yeah, Kenny Moore certainly deserves all the hype and all the love he's getting this week because he's been doing this for years now, man. And what about Mama Moore? How about that? (laughs) A big time hard knocks hit and then she how good do you think that feels to be able to tell your son you're nominated for a walter payton man of the year that's got to feel great that that's got to feel great you could hear it in her voice cracking i i just couldn't help but feel so much type of emotions for mama moore man uh kenny moore consistently you mentioned how is he not a captain i think i think the max for an nfl team is five i believe and i think the colts are Carson, Quentin, DeForest, Darius, and Zaire. I believe those are the five guys. So, hey, you got some good leaders. I mean, that's what Chris Ballard has been consistent about. He wants to get them in the building, get leaders, character guys. Hey, as long as all of them are talented and can win us some championships, I care. But if not, screw all the characteristics out of the building. Let's get some championships in. The next thing we're going to go into some pass rush. Uh, it's been a little bit non-existent lately, but against the Houston Texans, Al-Kadeem Muhammad, Kamoko Toure, kind of forgot about him. I didn't realize he was still on the team. He, both of them got two sacks, active hands. I think Al-Kadeem Muhammad, I think it was his second one. It was a beautiful rip on the right tackle he made. He was getting blocked, but a beautiful, almost like a right hook, just a rip 
to get free, get, I believe, the sack was on Tyrod Taylor, I believe. Get him down. It was such, it, it was a beautiful move today. Alkadi Muhammad always consistently one of the okay, I'll say okay, I don't think he's great, but okay, good Colts defenders on the team. He's consistent. He can play the run. You'll see him a lot when you play bad teams, but against good teams, maybe you might forget he's on the team, but effort, knows what he needs to do, knows his position, knows the playbook. You can't ask for any more from that guy. I mean, hey, you know, depending on where we are next year, I don't know if he's on the team next year, but he's probably making himself some money. Come on, Uncle Toure. Got to see a little bit more, but he's he's had an okay year so far, man. But overall, pass rush, interior, all that. How big was that getting the win? It was big, man. Yeah, it was good to see Al-Kadi Muhammad get some love there. And Kamoko Turek, like you mentioned, get some confidence back, man. Where has he been for the last three, four weeks? Like, if you haven't seen him, they get a really good game in that Miami game, and then he kind of just disappeared. And, like, that's always been my thing with Kamoko Ture is we don't doubt the talent, right? He's talented. It's just the consistently week in and week out doing that. And I'm hopefully, you know, Houston's offensive line, let's be honest, you know, terrible might be, you know, Terrible might actually be giving them credit because I think they're worse than terrible right now. I mean, I think they're one of the worst, if not the worst offensive lines the Colts have seen this year by far. Um, so I don't necessarily like, I'm not like, oh my goodness, he's going to go out there and he's going to, you know, wreck the next couple games. But I like that for Kamoko Ture with, uh, with the confidence moving forward. You know, maybe he gets some more and, and now he's consistently putting more pressure on the quarterback. I mean, the Colts are going to need it, man, down the stretch here. They're going to need some more pressure. Another guy outside of Quiddy Pay to kind of do something on the edge because they've had absolutely nothing. It's been terrible uh, with the edge presence right now. So uh, with in regards to Muhammad, I like him. I think you want him on your – a guy like him on your roster – but you you don't want him ideally as your starter, right? You don't want a guy like Alkadi Muhammad, who's solid but nothing special, as your on your on your starting roster. But you want him maybe just as a rotational solid guy there. I can get some sacks occasionally, put some pressure on the quarterback. But he's leaves a lot to be desired, honestly, as a pass rusher. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not really like super impressed with him as a pass rusher. But you know, I think he's solid, and and I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back as long as you know. He's not going to be our future at defensive end, but Torrey is more of a, a wild card for me right now. Cause I think he definitely has those capabilities as a pass rusher. It's just, he's got to be more consistent. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, on those fronts, I think that's a little bit of what we knew coming in, you know, the pass rushing would be a huge, huge question mark. I think it's really for anyone out there that are like really wanting to criticize Quiddy or Dio, it's really unfair. Dial's working from an Achilles. Quiddy is a rookie who is working his way, getting up to the NFL speed, going against – he's gone against some really good left tackles. And I don't I don't even care if you're Chase Young or Nick Bosa in your rookie year. You're going to face some good tackles. So uh, Quiddy's done – he's done good, in my opinion. He's done good. Uh, nothing too flashy in my mind, but that's why there's second, third years for you to break out. So getting into some bad here, two guys that I want to highlight. I want to start off with uh, Mo Ali Cox. All right. So this guy has been non-existent at best uh, against the Buccaneers. Went to him a couple times. He got ran off his route, his own route by a 5'10 corner. And the guy is what? Six 
foot five, six, four, six, six, somewhere around there. Supposed to be the big basketball player. Use your size, learn how to use your body, you know, box guys out. And he's getting rid of off his route. He's not blocking good at this point. I mean, I think you, I think, you know, where I've been and where I've stood on Mo Cox in the past. And this year, you know, I, I jumped on that train. Okay. It's year five. He's got to have learned something by now. Let's go. Let's roll with it. And once again, he had a good start for like what? Five, four five games. He's done nothing. He's still under, I think still under 300 receiving yards. So at this point, he is what he is to me. Uh, I don't think he's part of any game plan. I've put out there on Twitter already, you know, any snaps, offensive snaps you want to give to Marley Cox, just give them to Kylan Granson, get his development going, you know, speed up the development a little bit. He's actually looking good in blocking in some plays as well, as I saw. But being more physical, uh, more attention to detail, I- I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I'm not being a hater or anything. I mean, show me we we've had the discussions with I've had a couple of debates with, with some of you on Twitter talk about value, talk about, you know, he's an asset, talk about where is it at? You keep telling me what it is, I'm not seeing it on game day. I'm not, and he's supposed to be tight end one. So, Cody, if you you can help me out, man, is there still hope this season and beyond? From Moali Cox and what's gone into him just not showing up? It's been weird, man. He just kind of disappeared. This has not been the first time he's kind of just disappeared midway through the season. I don't know if it's like a lack of targets or if it's just a lack of consistency, uh, but it certainly is puzzling. Like they get him so involved early, like they did that last year too. And you're like, oh man, this is his year to break out. And then he just doesn't put it all together, you know? And so for me, I'm kind of just like a lot of people. I, I like physically Mo's obviously really good, but I'm kind of just at the point where I'm like, you know, I'll keep him on the roster because I think he's just still a really good run blocker. But overall, as a receiver, I mean, I think that's probably why Kylan Granson's getting more snaps recently because he offers more in that department. And also you mentioned he can actually run block too. Um, I know we talked about, I think you were in that when we talked to Kylan Granson about run blocking and, you know, he he actually like took pride in that. So yeah, I think certainly uh, Kylan Granson needs to be getting more snaps at this point because he offers more as a receiver than any other of these tight ends right now. And Jack Doyle is always consistent. He's nothing spectacular, but yeah, I mean, I have hope for Mo that they'll maybe go back to him eventually, but right now I'm, I'm good with where, what, how they're using their tight ends. You know, I'm good with Mo just being a run blocker right now because I don't want to put too much pressure on him right now. You know, I'm, I'm good with, with Granson and Doyle right now, rolling with them and just keeping him as that third tight end where he just is run blocking and, and he can help out in that department at least. So yeah, it's been weird for, for Mo. Um, I really just wanted to see him take it to the next level. And I thought, okay, maybe now with Carson, we know how much he liked to use tight ends like Zach Ertz, for example, you're just like, what happened? What's happened to Mo? Um, and so for me, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, he still has potential, but you know, you, I don't, I don't think you can just rely on him as your number one tight end. I just don't really think that's, that's wise to do right now. You know, maybe he comes back and has a really good stretch here. And then maybe we have that conversation later on, but 
yeah, right now I'm good with rolling with Granson, giving him more snaps and, and continuing with him and Doyle down the stretch. Cause I think that gives you your best opportunity from a passing standpoint um, at the tight end position. Yeah. Yeah. And when I put out there, you know, tight end is a need. Don't come at me and say tight end is not a need. It, it is a need. Jack Doyle had a really good game against Tampa Bay, but that's like one performance he gives every year. And that was it. So need something a little bit more consistent. Jack Doyle is always going to be there. He's always going to be there on third down. He's always going to be there when we need a guy to step up. He, he will. So getting into some more bad, man, Cody, this, this dude that plays the left tackle position, he is bad. He Oof. is bad. I can't even, and it's, it's still an excuse. It's still an excuse. The Achilles injury is still something he has in his back pocket. But man, there is nobody good on Houston and he still got driven back. I think he got drove back into Carson Wentz three times on Sunday and still got beat on numerous plays, but Carson just got the ball out quick. So Eric Fisher at this point is a huge liability a huge liability that can cost the Colts the playoffs. That That's the reality. We saw how quickly the game in Baltimore changed. When we're in control, we're inside the five. Boom, strip sack by, I believe it was Odafe Owe. Baltimore takes over. They get momentum. Saw the game against Tampa. We're controlling it. Regardless of what you want to think about, we weren't running it enough. We were in complete 100% control of that game. Eric Fisher, right on cue, completely changes the game. He is a liability that needs to be corrected. Frank Wright, Chris Strasser, are any of you guys going to step up and say, we need to make a change? I, I get it. You're paying the guy, what, what is it, eight, $8 million, I think? Okay. But 13 games in, it has not worked out at all. Miss me with how how good he grades out as a run blocker. I can go find a freaking dude at Takaria down the street that can run block at his position. I want to know if somebody can handle the big boys coming off the edge trying to get the quarterback. That's that's where the real money is made. And he just has not been that guy at all. I was vocal week one when everybody was saying, Good Lord, uh, what, what, who, I, it was so long ago, man. Who was our starter? Week <laughs> You've locked one? him out. You've locked him out. It was uh, Julian Davenport, unfortunately. Oh, my Lord. I forgot he was <laughs> on the team. It's been such a long season, man. It's, everybody, it's easy to do. everybody has said, oh, my gosh, can't wait for Eric Fisher. We need Eric Fisher back. No, we do not need him back. <laughs> we need Anthony Costanzo back, bro. That's, uh, that's who I miss what we need. right now. Cody, man, uh, what's what's been so disappointing about this guy? Oh, my gosh. So I'll just say this, and I'm willing to admit this. I was dead wrong about Eric Fisher. I don't know how I was so wrong about Eric Fisher. But, like, last year, before that injury, he was actually, like, not bad at tackle, you know? And you're like, okay, you know, maybe he's not necessarily an upgrade from Costanzo, but he can still hold his own this year. And I don't know what has happened, man. I thought, okay, you know, he was struggling early. I was like, you know what? He's not fully 100%. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here for a few weeks. And then he starts playing a little bit better. You're like, okay, things are trending up. And then I think it was that Jacksonville game where Josh Allen just abused him every single snap. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. 
we this is a bigger issue than I thought. There were legitimately, Michael, some people a couple of weeks ago who said, uh, I would be okay with re-signing Eric Fisher. And two weeks later, two, three weeks later, you're like, absolutely not. You know, people were talking about, should we bench him at this point? This is how bad he's been in pass protection. Um, the only issue I think, you know, and I know people will say Matt Pryor, but I don't know if there's le- like legitimately a backup option right now, which sucks. Like I want there to be, but Pryor's only had one, one game at left tackle. He's primarily been a right guard, right tackle. So I don't know if that's the move right now necessarily as much as I want Eric Fisher out of the lineup, but yeah, he's certainly been the biggest disappointment this year by far, man, like by far, it's been kind of jarring. Like you mentioned, you know, those two games, I mean, he caught, like, I mean, obviously it's a team game. You play the game. It's all those guys, but he has single-handedly killed drives this year for this team, and that just simply cannot happen moving forward. You do wonder if you have a serviceable left tackle there in those two situations, you probably honestly win those games. Those were complete momentum swings in those two games there. And so I don't know, man. I, I'm just ready to move on from Fisher. I think you have to obviously address it here in the offseason. Um, it's a huge need, huge, huge need. Whether you do it in the draft or whether you do it in free agency, I don't care how you do it. You just got to figure it out at left tackle. It cannot continue to be an issue moving forward. You know, you thought maybe with Eric Fisher, you found a guy that has, he has talent. Like he was a top pick for a reason, but he just has not come back well at all, to say the least. So, I don't really know if there's a solution necessarily this season, but I certainly think you don't bring him back at all this offseason. You go address that the offseason, figure that out, whatever that looks like, and uh, you give Carson Wentz the protection he needs on that left side, man. Yeah, and guys, I I just want to put that out there, okay? Matt Pryor, I mean, have you tried him out? You got to think you've tried him out in practice, and – I mean, is his anchor, is his anchor good? Is his feet moving? Is that okay? You know, people want to say, if people that don't know, you know, they want to compare right tackle, left tackle, the speed you face at left versus right, completely different. Your best edge rusher is always going to be where the left tackle is going to play. That's why they always call it the blind side because you're facing that better uh, edge rusher. But guys, the next four games, New England. Matthew Judon, who has been a godsend for them, 11 and a half sacks. Arizona, Chandler Jones, eight sacks. Marcus Golden, 10 sacks for that team. Week 16, Yannick Ngakwe, eight sacks. Week 17, yes, I'm naming him Josh Allen, who kicked his ass with the last time we played Jacksonville. I am scared to death, and I, I'm going to highlight that matchup every single week. I can't you, – you just can't trust Eric Fisher. You can't. You can't. And I think in this stretch, going into the bye week, I want to trust that Frank Reich is going to sit down. He's going to analyze what thing, where things truly went wrong in these games. Baltimore, even Tennessee. Tennessee was getting consistent pressure on Carson Wentz from the left side all the time in Indy. Eric Fisher is a problem. He is a liability for the team. He he is. He is. I don't mean that in any kind of disrespect. Those are just the facts. Put me, show, show me one good game that he's put together this year. You can't find me one. You can't. And that's a fact going forward. 
do you go with him or do you try something different? I, I don't I mean, know. I, yeah, I, I personally would try something different, but I don't know if the Colts actually will do that um, because you mentioned they paid him that much money. But I, I don't know. Part of me just wants to say, just swallow your pride and make the move, man. You know, do what's best for your football team, you know, moving forward. I, I don't know. Like, and that, and it, you're right. Like left tackle is completely different than right tackle. So who's to say Matt Pryor on the left side is going to be any better than Eric Fisher, you know, like he was great at right tackle. That doesn't mean he's going to be great at left tackle. So I don't know. I, I guess you probably roll with him and you just give him more help, but it is terrifying, man. I'm scared. I am scared to death. Yeah. Carson Wentz and company, you got to help him out or something. I don't know what it's going to take, but something's got to change here, man. Because um, if, if we sit here after the end of these four game stretch here and the Colts don't make the playoffs, I really think it's going to be because be because of Eric Fisher, a good majority of it will be um, because of his lack of protection on Carson Wentz. And it's going to disrupt games, going to disrupt drives and it's going to just ultimately could kill this team. And so yeah, I don't know what it's going to take, man, but Eric Fisher has to step up. He has to yeah. step up for this team to have a playoff chance. He just has to. He has to. And, guys, uh, we actually do not have a segment for the ugly. Again, it's hard to find the ugly in a 31-0 to win. But staying here j- just for a little bit longer, coming into the year, I said this team would go 7-10 and 10 because of the talent but also the big problems and issues I saw on the roster. Eric Fisher, even though the name, uh, recognition, all that is big, he's coming off an Achilles injury. How will he perform? The pass rush is a huge question. How will they perform? Carson Wentz is a huge question. How has he performed? That answer has been solved, in my opinion, already. He is our future franchise star for the next eight, eight, ten years. He's that guy. Running game, Jonathan Taylor's there. Wideouts. Who's going to step up? Michael Pittman. That's been answered. But the left tackle and edge rusher, two of the top three most important positions in football, is a huge liability for the Colts. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think right now, taking all my Colts bias out of it, I think those two positions is going to be the main problem why the Colts don't make the playoffs this year. And what a – horrible year to choose not to make the playoffs in such a wide open AFC wide open. Uh, the only thing I can really criticize Chris Ballard. I, I liked how he's built this team from start to today. I like it, but the real true thing I can really criticize him for is Eric Fisher easily. His worst free agent signing easily. It's bad. It's bad. And if you, if you want to go at him, should have done more, should have took a rookie, should have drafted one, should have went at him. I'll accept that. I'll accept that because you can't tell me there's no one out there better than Julian freaking Davenport. You can't tell me that. If you want to right. go at him, I'll accept it. I, I won't argue it. But uh, moving forward before we get into, you know, the rest of the AFC, man, New England, strong defense, strong yeah. offense, Arizona high-flying offense, great defense. Vegas, all over the place. Who, Which version of them are you going to get? Jacksonville, we know what it's like. We haven't won in Jacksonville since, what, 2016, I think it is? Wow, really? That's I, I think it is. Um, how do you see it for the next, for the next four, four games, man? Do you think the Colts come out? 
I mean, gosh, it's like my fan in me wants to say, yes, they're going to come out and they're going to take care of business. The, the cynic in me wants to say this team's beat one good team this whole year. Um, they've, you know, they've been close in every game with good teams, but they haven't finished yet. And you mentioned with the lack of edge presence, the lack of left tackle, like for me, these are things that are big concerns. Like they're huge concerns. I think this team has a chance. I'll say that. I think they have a chance in every single game. They could steal some games here, but based off of what I've seen from this team this year, I don't know if the playoffs are super realistic, honestly. And that, and that really surprised some people a little bit because I'm normally pretty positive on this team. But the fact is that they've blown multiple te- multiple games this year. My question isn't talent for this team. I think they're very talented in a lot of ways. I just think when it matters consistently, they, they've been bad. They've been bad situationally when it matters. And so you're playing good teams now where you can't afford to be stupid. You can't afford to turn the ball over five times. You can't afford you know, to take your foot off the gas here in these games. And maybe the Colts will respond well, and maybe I'll be completely wrong. I will be happy to eat crow here, but – Honestly, I, I don't know if you're going to I don't know if you're going to beat New England. I really don't because they're a very good team. They're a disciplined team. They're the best coach team in the NFL, in my opinion. And they've got some some guys there in that defense, especially. So it's going to be a tough matchup, man. But I could see I think the Colts have to win at least three of these games in order to legitimately make themselves a playoff, give themselves a chance here. Ideally, they want to go four and oh, but you know how that goes. Um I do think maybe they could go three and one. I do think they'll st- they could potentially steal a New England or uh, Arizona. I think it could t- take one of those games because both these teams have looked a little. You know, they've both been the hottest teams in the NFL, but they've had times where they've looked mortal too, right? They've had times where they haven't been like, oh my goodness, they're clear cut the best team in the NFL. So I think you can certainly expose that in this in these two teams as well. Um, I think you're going to beat Vegas. I do. I mean, I think they're all over the place. Like you mentioned, they don't really have an identity right now. And the way with the way the Colts corners have been playing, I'm kind of, and getting Corey Willis back. I'm kind of like not really as scared of them as I would have been at the start of the year. So I think you beat Vegas. I do think you beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville. You have to, at some point, right? I mean, this team's weak. I mean, let's be honest. They, they played <laughs> us tough in the first matchup, but now the Colts can just run the ball consistently. And I think if they can do that, take care of business. I think they, that, that might come down to that last week, honestly, man, for the Colts to make the playoffs. It's funny how the last potentially the last two years will come down to beating Jacksonville uh, to get to the playoffs. But I certainly think right now, I think three and one is realistic, but I don't know, maybe two and two, honestly, because you're facing some really good football teams. Definitely. You can't, you can't underestimate what Bill Belichick has done with this football team. You really can't. They are sound offensively. They don't make mistakes defensively. They got really good football players on that side of the football. I mean, no one knew who freaking Derek Wise Jr. was at Kansas, but when he gets to New England, hey, he, he's almost a Pro Bowl player. But at the yeah. Kansas Jayhawks, he was a nobody. That's just what he does, man. Uh, but get, getting here into the AFC playoff picture and looking at what could happen this week. The Colts are going to be on the bye week. So is there going to be any games that we need to be watching? Well, there's going to be a big one this Thursday night, immediately a team that is in front of them, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going up against their traveling to Minnesota. That is going to be a huge, huge game that Colts fans are definitely going to be interested in. I believe if Pittsburgh loses, I think you move up to the number eight. 
And if you really just look at the whole, you know, let, let's go down the games that I'm really going to be looking at. Thursday night football, Vikings, Steelers, Sunday, Chiefs, Raiders, pummel the Raiders. They're already they're already behind us. Keep pummeling them down. Um, Ravens, Browns, they're below us. Pummel the Browns. Hopefully the Ravens are all over the place too. Uh, Giants, Chargers. I I I want the Giants to win, but no, nah, their, their offense is all over the place. Daniel Jones is not good. The 49ers and the Bengals, will Debo Samuel be back for them? George Kittle had a big week this last Sunday. Debo Samuel definitely needs to come back, and they still need to play Tennessee. That is intriguing as well. Um, Buccaneers and the Bills. That's going to be big because if the Bills lose, let's say the Steelers win Thursday and the Bills lose, I believe, what is it, uh, on, on Sunday. I already, I already think the Colts are in the playoffs. Yeah. I think they'll be number seven because they'll already be ahead of Buffalo. Those right. are the tiebreaker. So then, then Buffalo goes to New England the next week. So, I mean, yep. they're, they're, they're kind of spiraling right now. Yeah. That win against Buffalo really isn't looking all that impressive now. <laughs> it's, it's really <laughs> not. Uh, you can just say Jonathan Taylor broke them, and now they just all of a sudden have just been terrible. Possibly, maybe, maybe the Ravens broke them. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, looking at that Buffalo team going into the Buffalo game, I looked at it, and you know what that team reminded me, what that defense reminded reminded me of hmm. last year's Colts defense. You're not playing really? that good of a schedule. Your defense is hounding. Your defense is getting good sacks, stats, sacks, interceptions, not allowing too much points. Run defense looks good. And then when you go up against it, where, where are all those stats now? Remember, the Colts defense was ranked number one for like 10 straight weeks. And then you go against Cleveland when they were fully put together, fully healthy. I think what they hung 38 on your head. Green Bay, they hung 34, I believe it was, on your head, 34, 31 and go to Buffalo, lose that game. When push comes to shove, who are you truly? And I really see a lot of the 2020 Colts in these 2021 Buffalo Bills. We'll see what continues to happen to them. They just might be on the outside looking in when all is said and done. That victory over Buffalo is still looking impressive, but doesn't hold too much weight uh, as of right now. So it's definitely a big week. It's definitely a big week for the Colts in the AFC while they're on the couch eating popcorn, enjoying family time. Do you, do you think they'll even watch the games? Yeah. Uh, some people probably will, but uh, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I always wonder, do NFL players actually watch other games? Like, do you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, if I was an NFL player, I probably would. But also at the same time, on your bye week, kind of just want to get away from football. So mm. I could see both sides of it, honestly. But um, I think it's also important to just know where your, you know, the, the other teams are um, and, and kind of what the results are. So, you know, okay, we, we are controlling our own destiny. Here's where we sit. If we just do what we do here, we can get a chance at the playoffs. So I probably would as a player, but I understand if some players don't for sure. Yeah. Especially if, you know, your next opponent is also on a bye week So you're probably not watching those that many games. Uh, right. But before we close this show out, man, the next four games, it's going to be big. Yeah. I, I really want this team 
to make the playoffs. The AFC is just, it is crazy, man. Let, let, let's go team. Let's go team by team. Let's go team by team. New England. Yeah. What is their, what is their weakness? Mm. I, I, what is the truly what is their weakness maybe the pass game if that's what i'm get, thinking if yeah. you get into a pass happy game is mac jones gonna keep up because josh mcdaniels has done a good job of you know moderating the game the game plan his offense around his strengths uh we saw that alabama clearly you know he could throw it all over the yard in the nfl can he do that i, I don't think not too much i don't want to sound ignorant I haven't watched every game of his so i'm not gonna say he can't but is that still yeah. a question mark? Baltimore yeah. defense. They just lost Marlon Humphrey. They already lost Jimmy Smith. They lost two of their starting corners. No, they lost Marcus Peters and they just lost Marlon Humphrey. Two huge corners in their defense already. So their secondary is shot. Lamar Jackson's all over the place. Their offense is all over the place. All right. Pittsburgh. They got Santa Claus at quarterback, man. I mean, the dude can't <laughs> throw past 15 yards. It can't, and it's sad. The defense, I think, is legit. The offense doesn't have an identity. They don't. Their offensive line is struggling. You look at uh, Kansas City. Their defense, in my mind, is still not that good, but they are waking up a little bit lately. The offense, I can't think of another quarterback who's taken such a down year than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is not good this year. He's not. I think, I think he's doing too much, man. He's trying to do too much. He needs a little bit of humble pie this year. Uh, maybe get knocked out of the playoffs, get a little bit, a little bit of humble pie and come back and wor- work on you. W- work on you. Stop trying to be the Madden Patrick Mahomes that you play with your brother Luke and everything. Just be Patrick. They're all over the place. Tennessee, we know who Tennessee is. If they lose Derrick Henry, they're toast. Uh, their wide receivers are shot. Julio Jones, that hamstring ever since – what 2019 has been bothering him. AJ Brown is still on the IR list. What's going on there? Um, Chargers all over the place. Defense, offense, Bengals all over the place. Defense, offense. It's wide open. <laughs> yeah. This is the year you want your team to make it. As not confident as I was going against Buffalo last year, whoever we draw. In the playoffs, whether if it's a first seed going against a two seed, if we got the Ravens again, I'm taking the Colts. If we got the Chiefs, I'm taking the Colts. If we draw the Titans, you better damn well believe I'm taking the Colts. (laughs) This is the year you want your team in the playoffs. Now, can you catch Tennessee? Still got to play Miami. Still got to play Pittsburgh. Still got to play the 49ers. Miami. Five-game winning streak ever since Tua Tungavailoa came back. San Francisco, Debo Samuel will be back. They're on a roll trying to get in the playoffs. Pittsburgh, they're fighting for their quarterback, which is a personal game now. It's possible. Can we catch Tennessee in the division? You got to go 4-0. You have to. Yep, you do. Yep. And that's why I'm just, I've been frustrated with this team this year because you put yourself in a situation where you have no choice. You have to, you can't let a game go, you know, a game that you're supposed to lose. You have to win it. Like you have to win out. And so I don't know. I'm just like, man, if this team could have finished a couple times, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? You would be firmly in playoff position. And I mean, that's, you know, if the Colts end up missing the playoffs, that's, I'll point to that. I'll say you started 0 and 3, you started 1 and 4. You messed up a lot of times when you should have capitalized and, you know, you, you 
you kind of backed yourself into a corner a little bit where you couldn't get out of it. But yeah, I mean, this team still can do that. You know, I'm not going to say they can't, they really can. Um, but I just hate that they have to be in the situation now where you have to say, we have to win every game. We absolutely have to. Um, so yeah, man, the, the, the good thing is, like you said, the AFC is wide open. So who knows what's going to happen, man? Who knows? Honestly, um, you know, last year was crazy. The Colts were 11 and five and still almost missed the playoffs. And you think, okay, you know, like this year, if the Colts would be 11 and five, they'd probably be one of the top wildcard teams. So it's kind of crazy how night and day the, the AFC is this year. And yeah, if there's any year that any team can win, especially like the Colts, this is the year for it, man. So you got to take care of business down the stretch. You got to beat New England. You got to beat Arizona. You got to, you know, you got to do things that you haven't done this year or really haven't done in the last couple of years. And if you can do that, boom, you deserve the playoffs. If not, you probably don't, honestly. That's, that is 100% facts right there. And I actually love the fact that when we, when we turn on the TV, whether if it's ESPN, Monday Night Football, CBS, Fox, every time they show the AFC playoff picture, I'm not sure if it's just me, but isn't there always a mention of the Colts in that discussion? I I hear it every time I turn it on. Yeah. Circling. Watch out for this team right here. Watch out for this sneaky, good team right here. That's because quarterback running back offensive line, Michael Pittman. I can't even mention T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal in that conversation. That's sad, but Michael Pittman and Ashton Doolin. Hell. Can they become a lethal duo? Who knows? This is the year you want to beat in the playoffs as wide open as it is. Let's say Miami made the playoffs. They have a legit shot of getting to the Super Bowl. They have a legit shot because of how wide open it is. So, guys, the next time we come at you again, it is going to be a preview of the New England Patriots. Okay, this bye week, enjoy it. Sunday, if you're going to be watching football, enjoy it. If you're not, spend the day with your kids, your friends, your mom and dad, whatever the case may be. I do not blame you. I'm probably going to sleep in. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, But other than that, Cody Felger, huge shout out to you, man, uh, for jumping on the show this time, man. Where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On Twitter at CPFelger55. For the podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at BTJPod and Instagram as well. Um, and then as far as just where you can listen to us, YouTube, uh, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts as well, like Spotify, Apple podcasts, all those places you can find us there. But, uh, yeah, man, appreciate you having me on. Yeah. And that is Cody Felger and as well, Derek Larger, an- another good friend of mine, another great guy. Uh, he loves Ohio state. They're trash. That's one thing <laughs> I give him uh crap about, but as long as he can find a better college, you know, I won't get on to on him for that anymore. But once again, guys, thank you again, Cody. Guys, when we talk again, it's going to be go time. It is going to be go time. The next two games are going to be on primetime. Saturday night, the rivalry is back on. Josh McDaniels returns to Indy where he should have been. Chris Ballard is going to have a number one seat on the sideline ready to give that middle finger. And then Christmas, I swear these dudes better not ruin my Christmas. I swear to God, Uh, (laughs) against Arizona. So, guys, once again, thank you for listening in. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy the bye week. Go Colts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.